Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. We thank the Lord for uh, another day it's made. Amen. All guys have been looking late. But uh, better late than never, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. Tonight we're going to continue our lesson in, uh, uh, in the uh, Tell Me About Jesus series. The Seven Last Sands of Christ. And we want to... Uh, Continuing that, this is lesson number three. Lesson number three. And we want to focus on being like Jesus and learning from him, doing the things he would do, say the things he would say, and uh, live like he would live. It is, uh, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some time. But, uh, it's possible. It can be done through the uh, power of the Spirit. And with Christ, nothing is impossible. We can do all things. Of all of God's creations and creatures, man is the one that has the, uh, the ability, the uh, wherewithal, the brains and understanding to uh, to do what the Lord has called us to do. So let's go into a word of prayer. Holy Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your spirit. Holy Father, we thank you for being God and God all by yourself. Holy Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will be our teacher tonight. Holy Father, we ask that you will lead and guide us in your truth. Holy Father, we're going to look at some things tonight that's not so easy to be done. But Holy Father, through your spirit, they can be done. But Holy Father, we ask that you help us, guide us, and lead us in your truth. Holy Father, so we can be doers of your word and not hear us only. Because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell me about Jesus. John chapter 19, verse 26 and verse 27. John chapter 19, verse 26, and verse 27. You got to love technology. Yeah, we got a, we got the Bible on our phones now, so we've been trying to get there, right? Okay. John 19. 26 and 27. And it reads, But standing by the cross of Jesus, I'm sorry, verse 26. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. I want us to focus on the words, Woman, behold your son, and behold your mother. This lesson is about L-O-V-E. L-O-V-E, love. It's about love. 
this is what Jesus was trying to teach us, and I believe that this is the what Jesus wanted to come across in this lesson here. Woman, behold your son, and behold your mother. Jesus didn't say these words just to be saying them. They were just a few words, but they have a, a lot of meaning, and they are filled with emotions, especially with what Jesus was going through on the cross and in the circumstance he was in. They are filled with emotions, and they are filled with meaning. Not on the top. It was, you gotta, we got to dig down into these, into these words to see what the Lord is, 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 is saying to us and what this world needs today and what we need today. It's all in God's word. Let's talk about love. The Honorable John Lewis. The Honorable John Lewis. On March the 7th in 1965, on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, John Lewis was beaten unconsciously, beaten unconscious by white police officers as he and many others marched in a peaceful protest for simple voting rights. This day went down in history as Bloody Sunday. Lewis suffered a fractured skull that day, but he later said, I never became bitter or hostile, and neither can you. In a later interview with CNN's Dana Bash on the same bridge, he said, When people hate and are cruel to you, he said, just love them. Love them. Keep on loving them. John Robert Lewis remained an advocate of nonviolent protest and civil rights until his death on July 17, 2020. He will always say of himself, I make it my business to get in the way, causing good trouble, necessary trouble. And John Lewis is just one example of how he was able to love the people, even those that were persecuting him, beating him, and, and, and didn't want African Americans to have equal rights. And how could this man say, keep loving them, keep loving them, keep loving them? He had to have a connection with Christ. And that's the only way we are going to be able to love like God is a connection through the Spirit. When Jesus said, Behold your son, Jesus was demonstrating his love for his mother. The New Living Translation says it like this. Dear woman, here is your son, and here is your mother. It sounds, it's, in, in our vernacular, it sounds like he was being rude when he said woman, but in, in their time, he was actually showing love. He was actually, it was a a term of endearment. It was a term to show love and care. Jesus loved his mother and he honored her with another son to look after him after her before he died. 
can you imagine, okay, on the cross, and Jesus sees his mother. He said, dear woman, here's your son. So he gives her somebody to look after her because he knows he was physically going away. He knows that he was not going to be able to look after his mother no more, in the, in, you know, physically. So he loved her so much that he gave her another son. In other words, take care of my mother. Look after my mother. And it begs the question, how do we treat our mothers today? How do we treat the woman that brought us into this world? How do we treat the woman that birthed us, that fed us, that raised us? If Jesus was conscious enough to tell his disciples to take care of my mother while I'm gone, that's telling us we ought to love our mothers. They may not be the best mothers for whatever reason may be. They may have done this. They may have done that. We we thought was right. Well, children don't come with a, a manual. They don't come with the do-it-yourself and all the answers in the book. We learn as we go. We make mistakes. We, we, we do the right thing sometimes. We say the right thing sometimes. We say the wrong thing sometimes. But they're still our mother. And, 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 and Jesus in the scriptures sometimes seems like he may have gotten frustrated with his mother. We know at the at the, uh, at the wedding, when the, when they ran out of wine, you know, <laughs> Mary went to Jesus and said, hey, we're out of wine. He said, well, woman, it's not my time. It was as if she didn't pay no attention to that. She just said, told the servants, whatever he says, do, do it. Because she knew Jesus was going to do something for the need that was present. And sure he did. Not only did Jesus gave his mother, another son, and said, take care of my mother. Jesus also loved John. When Jesus saw the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, see, John was, well, he was the only disciple that was at the cross. All the rest of them had fled. All the rest of them had left, you know, hey, what would a man do to protect his own skin and protect his own life? They were gone. But John was the only one there. He was the only one that was faithful all the way to the end. That's why, well, that's not only, the only reason, but that's one of the reasons he's known as the beloved disciple in the Bible. Known as, well, Jesus' is closest friend. Jesus' is closest friend at the time. What does it say? Well, it asks the question, how do we treat our sons? No one, okay? Behold your mother now, behold your son. So it's a it's a give and take. So how do we treat our sons? How do we treat the, the children that God has given to us just for a short period of time to raise or to take care of? You know, because they're, they're not babies long. They're not children long. It's, it's not long that we have to really look after them when you, when you think about it. But he was also telling Mary... This is your son. Love him as the son. Love him as someone that he can look at you as a mother. Although John, at this time, uh, uh, the, the history lets us know John had both his living parents. But yet and still, God said, this is your son. 
Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. And we're going to look at that a little bit later. Has a, a spiritual, spiritual connection in that. And it's no small wonder that John was always writing in his letters telling us to love one another. Love one another. Love one another. It's no small wonder because he loved Jesus so much. Jesus loved him so much. And no funny stuff, no gay stuff. A genuine love for a friend, for a son, for a mother, for somebody that he cared about. Well, I believe this lesson is so important because some of you say, you know, well, they say, I love you or, or, or I love him or I love everybody, but it's, 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 it flows off the lips easy. It flows off the lips. And like I said, it's not only, this is a hard lesson to teach because Action speaks louder than words. It's not just saying. Love is an action word. Even through all the pain that Jesus was experiencing while on the cross, he took that time to show love for his mother and his closest friend. This truly shows that love is stronger than death. The pain that Jesus was going through, the excruciating pain, I mean, we can't imagine the pain that the Lord Jesus was going through. The Romans were expert in delivering, bringing the pain. And crucifixion and the things that went through on the cross brought the most, brought the person closer to death without them dying. And they brought them closer to death. It's, it, it's as if they thought they were going to die, but they would come back, experience more pain. Come to the point of death and come back and experience more pain. Come to the point of death, come back and experience more pain. That's what the Romans were expert in. And that's why they, Pontius Pilate was so surprised that Jesus died as soon as he died. Because usually the uh, 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 people that were hung on the cross, usually they, they hung there for at least 24 hours, if not more. But when Jesus finished his work, he immediately died to fill in the scriptures that not one of his bones was broken. Going back to what Pastor Morrison was saying, when Jesus said, Behold your mother, behold your son. This is a spiritual insight for the church, also here. That's right. Godly love transcends all natural affiliations. Godly love transcends all natural. It doesn't matter if we're kin or if we're Related in some way. The love that Jesus has my head has nothing, has nothing to do with, with, with family and, and blood, kin. But it has nothing to do with that. It should be able to go out and reach somebody that's not kin to you. Reach somebody on a job. Reach somebody uh, 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 in traffic. Reach somebody that you may see a beggar. Love goes past all of that and love is not just something we say love love is a powerful thing when it's connected and rooted to Christ and it it stays pure it stays undiluted it stays undefiled when it's connected and rooted in Christ and through his word it transcends so that's why the scripture says 
was it Jesus was teaching us, said, well, Lord, uh, your, your mother and your brothers are out there want, want to talk to you, want to see you. He said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Them that do the will of God. Shows, you know, that, 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 that transcends, you know, because most of Jesus' family didn't believe in him while he was living. They didn't believe he was the Christ. They didn't believe he was the Son of God. They just believed he was a regular person, a carpenter's son, Joseph and Mary's son, one of the brothers. The love go past all of that. Love is what John Lewis was saying when he was able to, to, to get up after that brutal beating years later. I said, keep loving. I saw a couple of interviews before he died, and he was the same thing. He kept, he kept going back to that bridge. He kept going back to that bridge. He, he was saying the work wasn't finished. He was going to keep on going back to that bridge once a year until the work was done. And he felt, felt that all Americans had equal voting rights. We love him. We love Christ, do we not? We love Christ, do we not? First Peter 1 and 8. Let's see what First Peter says. First Peter 1 and 8. I'm sure everybody says, sure. Sure, I love Christ. Yeah, I love Christ. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. And he says, And though you have not seen him, you love him. Huh? And though you do not see him now, but believe in him. See? Yeah, everybody say, yo, I love Christ, we love the Lord, sure. That's easy. That's an easy thing to say. We sing all the time. I love the Lord and I won't take it back. We, we sing all the time. That's, that's the easy part. But here is, okay, okay, we haven't seen Christ. That's not with our eyes. Our natural eyes, our eyeballs. But we say we love him. Nobody, no Christian would say that they do not love Christ. Now here is the love test. Here's where the rubber meets the road. The love test. First John chapter four. First John chapter four, verse twenty. This is the same John that was the beloved disciple that was at the foot of the cross. That was always telling us to love one another, love one another, love one another. He gave three or four tests in his epistle so we would know who was an authentic Christian, who was not a true Christian, who was a real believer, who wasn't a real believer. This is test number two, love test he gives. First John 4 and 20. He says, if someone says, and the thing about John, he's very practical. He said, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He's a liar. Now, now that word hate is, is another word. It's synonymous with malice. Malice, you know. We'll, we'll define that a little bit later. But he said, if he hates his brother, he said he loves God, but he hates his brother, he's a liar. He said, for the one who does not love his brother who he has seen with his eyes cannot 
Because he cannot love God whom he has not seen with his eyes. And he said, on in chapter 1, he said, this commandment we have received from him. So this is the commandment that we receive from God. That one who loves God should love his brother also. So, like you hear it said outside, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, the who's ever the Christians will, will quote it off quick, will roll up his tongue quick. But hate their brothers and sisters. We're not, once again, we're not only talking about family affiliations, we're talking about everybody in this world. The, the Westminster Theological Wordbook of the Bible defines love in this way. There's so many different definitions of love. But I like the way they defined it in here. They said, love defined. The emotional content of love remains. Love is emotional. It remains. It remains. Yes. But it is also an attitude and an outlook that prompts action. It prompts action. I love you, okay? What's action? What What do I do to prove to you that I love you? What do I do to prove to the to the hateful supervisor that me as a Christian has to that I have to love here? What do I do? Do I refrain my tongue? Do I treat him kindly anyway? He said, but it prompts action. Jesus said in Matthew 25 verse 42 and 43 we're talking about action. He said here's an example of action. He said for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was in prison and you did not visit me. That's a lot of negatives. That's a lot of negative. You did not. You did not. You did not. That shows what action was not there with the word love. We can also flip that and say these are the things we ought to do. If somebody's hungry, we ought to feed them. If somebody's thirsty, we ought to give them drink. If somebody's in prison, we ought to go visit them. And not only the family. But, but, but. This is the type of love that Jesus was talking about. When he said, woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. He loved his mother. He loved his disciples. He loved, he loved the little people. He loved, he loved the, 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 he loved the beggar. He loved the people with, with, uh, 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 the woman with the issue of blood. He loved the women, women with hemorrhages. He loved people with, with, uh, leprosy. In those days, all the church people, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, Pharisees and all Sadducees, you know, they didn't love those type of people. Uh-uh. They were up here and you were down here. So when Jesus came, he flipped the script. He didn't hang out with the religious people. He didn't hang out with the church people. He, he was always with the little people. He was always... That those that society deemed wasn't good enough. 
Okay. Well, this type of love is maybe, you know, well, I don't know. That's, that's, that may be something new. Well, no, it's not new at all. Let's, let's look at the ideal society seen by the Old Testament law. You know, because some people say, well, well, that's come up with something new. No, actually, the Old Testament is, is in the commandments that God gave. If people would, would just have lived by those, even those dietary laws and those laws that dealt with morality and, and human relationship, then half of these commandments dealt with the relationship between humans and God, and the other half dealt with the relationship between human and human. It was the ideal society. So even then, Leviticus 19 and 18, he speaks about this, this love issue. Leviticus 19 and verse 18. Because love is not a new commandment. It's the whole reason that Jesus came into the world in the first place for you and me. Leviticus 19 and 18. Look what he says. The ideal society now. He said, you should not take vengeance or bear any grudge against the sons of your people. Look what he said. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. See, look. He said, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then he goes, he is most of these commandments with I am the Lord. In other words, I'm God. Leave everything else to me. I'm God. Let me handle the rest. You know, but but I am the Lord. He said, I'm God. You take some of this. Let me deal with all the rest, all the other repercussions that may fall out because of it. I am the Lord. You just do this. I am the Lord. So once we do what God has called us to do, we can leave the rest to Him. Hey, I've done what the, you told me to do. So the rest is Him. Look what He said. He said, Love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. As your own flesh. Just like you beloved yourself. That's right. As yourself. As much as we love ourselves. So, but the Jews, they got smart. They wanted to add all these extra things on top of that. So, well, who who is my neighbor? You know, they well, who, who, who? Well, the word neighbor in the Hebrew means fellow creature. Fellow creature. We, are, we all, I know, we're humans, we're sophisticated, it's 2020, but we're still a creature. One writer said we're a fellow worm. We're all worms. The, but the Bible says, if we don't, you know, Hesketh says, in hell where the worm dies not, the, that's man. Man, we're, we're worms. You see one worm, you see more worms. Your fellow worm. Who, who do you love? Your fellow, your fellow creature. Everybody out here is, 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 is our neighbor. He said, love him, love them as yourself. But this, this scripture starts with you should not take vengeance or bear a grudge. You know, 
Let's let's go back to that word hate that we saw earlier. Word hate. Word hate and malice, how they intertwine. Now, let's define malice. Malice is the desire to cause pain, injury, or distress to another. Or an intent to commit an unlawful act or to cause harm without legal justification or excuse. Yes, it's malice. It was the desire to cause pain, injury, or distress to another. Or even an intent to commit an unlawful act or to cause harm without legal justification or excuse. A lot of the laws, that's what I said, this is the, the, the Old Testament set up the ideal society. A lot of the American laws and the constitutional laws are based on whether or not there was malice or an intent to break the law or intent to do wrong. What's their malice? Did he have malice when they robbed the bank? Did they have malice when they uh, 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 killed this home? Did they, they asked that. I would never forget in North Carolina when the district attorney was 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 trying was 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 defending the case uh, uh, with Tabitha and the and the drunk driver, he did it so well. He defined malice. He said, "Your Honor, because she had three prior offenses, she drove the car with malice, with intent to legally break the law." And to cause harm without justification. He broke it down so well, it was intent, it was illegal to do it. That's where Leviticus said you should not bear a grudge or take vengeance. Jesus said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Reverend Jameson said it like this. But instead of cherishing maintenance feelings of malice or meditating purpose of revenge to get back, to get even, he said God's people were taught to remonstrate. Remonstrate, or in other words, they were taught to plead with the offender and endeavor by calm and kindly reason to bring him or her to a sense of their problem. See that? Because the gospel will talk. You don't, you don't get even. But you remonstrate. You plead with them. You try to let them see. See, this is, I understand what you did, but you know, but this is really what happened. This is the pain cause. They tried to reason with the person just so they wouldn't have hatred or malice in their heart. And they would go to the farthest extent to extend love to their neighbor. Okay. He goes a little farther than that. Leviticus 19 and verse 34. 
He said, it doesn't only extend to the ones that may live in your neighborhood or the ones you work with or the ones you hang out with. But he said, you got to love the strangers and the alien too. Leviticus 1934. Look what he says. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you. Just, just like you. Just, you know, if he, if he, if he, if he's white and somebody black comes, he's a, they, they'll be just like white men. Treat them like white men. If they black and they come up white, treat them just like black men. That's a native. Then he says, you shall love him Ask yourself again. See? There's no... We're all fellow preachers. All fellow words. Then he says, Why do we have to do this? Then he goes, Why? Well, why? For you are aliens in the land of Egypt. See? He said, You were aliens yourself. You were strangers yourself. You were foreigners yourself. You know, but we want to build walls. We want to keep out this one. We won't keep out that one after we have stolen uh, 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 these people's land and, and taken them over. We now we're going to build walls. They, they're aliens. They're foreigners. He said, you, we were aliens too in Egypt. We were foreigners too. We all came from somewhere, naturally speaking. But spiritually speaking, we are all aliens and strangers to the commandments of God. You know, to the commandments of God, we are all aliens. We are all strangers because none of us is said. No, not one. There's not one of us righteous. For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So how can we look down on somebody else and say, they're not good enough to love. We're not good enough to love. We can't do that. He said, I am the Lord your God. Leave that to me. The color, the language. He said, I am the Lord your God. I'll take care of it. But you know what? You have to be a grace case yourself to be able to love like this. We have to be a grace case ourselves, you know. But but this, nowadays, you would think that you go into churches and a lot of places, you would think that nobody ever committed a sin, nobody knows you know. We're all grace cases. We all have stood in the need of God's grace, of God's love, and of God's mercy. We can't never look down on nobody. That's why he said. And that, that has a way of humbling us, keeping us humble. And, and, and the Lord always brought this back to uh, the Israelites' remembrance. Remember, hey, Egypt's not that, Egypt's not that far away. You ain't been out of Egypt that long. But they wanted to get the big head. They didn't want to love the, 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 the foreigners. Even now. 
Yes, the Jews are God's chosen people that he chose to bring his word and his revelation to the rest of the world. But he never chose them to be exclusive only for them. But they were chosen to show light to the rest of the world and to show love to the rest of the world. I'm almost done. Now, if we don't love, if we don't love, 1 John 3 again. 1 John chapter 3. There's always two, two sides to every coin. And we have to look at both sides. What if we, John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. What if we don't love? Can we go to heaven not loving? Can we go to heaven just taking care of me, myself, and I? First John 3 and 10 says, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. It was like, it's black and white. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. We know that. Anybody that doesn't practice or live righteousness, you know, I'm not saying anybody that doesn't do something wrong, but he's anybody that does not practice or anybody that does not live a righteous life is not of God. But he also says, nor is the one who does not love his brother. He does not love his brother. It's North one. See, righteousness and love, see, he, he said righteousness and love are twins. You know, just like sin and just like death, they're twins too. Well, you have sin, you have death. The Siamese twins. You can't have one without the love, other. You can't have righteousness without love. If I say I'm righteous but don't love, I'm a liar. The twins, they go together. They go together. He says, so if we don't love, then we are not of God. Because God is love. One of his characteristics is love. Now the little people, the poor, the rejected ones, they now have access to become the sons and the daughters of God. By doing this. By doing what? St. Luke chapter 6. They now have access. You know, the doors open to them so they could now become the sons of God. They didn't have to, but the door was open to them. They had a way. It was access to become the sons of God. The little people rejected. Poor. Luke 6 and 35 says, But love your enemies. Do good. And lend. Expecting nothing in return 
<laughs> and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. See? Not only did he tell them to do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. But he said, see that? But in doing this, you will be known as the sons of the Most High. You will be known as the sons of God. So, it's not what we say, not how we dress or how much time we spend in church. It's what we do that makes us known as the sons and the daughters of God. This is our access in to the kingdom of God. But this kind of love is done only by the Spirit. You're not going to wake up one morning and you're not going to be able to love like this. You know, like I said, Jesus lived for 33 and a half years. He ministered for about three and a half years. And he died on the cross. And the words that he was saying on the cross did not just roll off his tongue. So, this is going to take work to love our enemies. But it can be done. It's going to take work for us to love somebody that's mistreating us, taking advantage of us. Hey, even cutting in front of us and lying in the grocery. It's going to take love to to take that. It's going to, it's going to take love. It's take a lot of stuff that we're going through now in these days. But the only thing that's going to bring us through it and keep our heads above water is, is loving our fellow, our fellow, our fellow men. How can he do this? Galatians 5 and 22. Galatians 5 and verse 22. And that's just no. But the fruit of the Spirit, the first one is love. An apple tree doesn't have to work to produce fruit. An orange tree doesn't have to work to produce. It just produces. And if you have the spirit, the first fruit is love. Can't love without the spirit. Ain't gonna happen. St. John 17. St. John 17. Verse 26. And I have made, Jesus is praying, high priestly prayer here, and I have made known to them, I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. See that? The same love that God the Father has for Jesus the Son, He wants that love to be in us. But he said, so that love which you love me may be in them as his love is, is in us. That means he said, and I in them. 
See, so the only way that love is going to produce in us is if he is in us. And, and, and if he is in us, then we have God in us. That's the way this love is going to be produced. But at the same time, love must be discerning. Love must be discerning. Especially nowadays, people can take advantage of your love. One man said, love is, is, is like a raging river that must be held in with the borders of truth and discernment. Say, so if, if love is a river and, and the love is flowing and the, oh, the river is beautiful, I got water, I got fish, I got everything I need. But when the flood comes and that river starts to overflow, it ain't so beautiful. If something ain't done, it's going to wash your house away. It's going to flood out your cattle. But truth, which is this, on one side, so we know, hey, I love you, but hey, you ain't going over truth. Uh, I ain't no fool. I ain't no sucker. Uh, and then, and then discernment on the other side, you know, the word of God will make you wise. Well, if you say you love me, you'll do this, you'll do that. You No, discernment is keeping that love, huh? Because that's why it's all done through by the Spirit. And all those tools, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, it comes, it's the thing about it, it comes with the Spirit. We have all of it. Love, joy, peace. We have every, uh, an apostle has the same Spirit, the bishop, same Spirit that you have. But, it's the person or the saint that learns to perfect those those gifts and to bring those fruits of the spirit to maturity that you're gonna start seeing. You know, one person to have more love, one person to have more peace, one because they're working on that 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 spiritual gift more. They they pray more or they love more in action more or they uh have more joy they always, you know. But but what would we be if we perfected all of gifts? But we have it. It's all in the package of the Spirit. And this is last scripture. First Corinthians thirteen. First Corinthians thirteen and verse thirteen. This 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 whole chapter talks about love. And how love is the more excellent way. And how love is it's better than anything else, really. The more stronger than anything else. He says in thirteen, he said. But now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. We got faith, we got hope, we got love. We got faith in the Lord Jesus for our salvation. We got hope knowing that he's going to return for the church, hope for the future, and we have love. It's about the greatest of all these three is love. Now, if the greatest of all those three is love, how important is love? 
How strong is love? Remember I said love is as cruel as the grave. Yes, it does. So when Jesus was saying, woman, here woman, here's your son, and here's your mother. And he was telling them to love one another. And that's what we have to do. We must learn to love one another. It's going to take some, some, some work. It's going to take some elbow grease. It's going to take some, some getting dirty. It's going to take some losing some stuff. Losing some sleep. It's going to take some work to love people. But it can be done through the Spirit. And nowadays, what we're going through now in this tumultuous year, love is needed the most. And when people see love, it catches them off guard. They're not used to seeing love nowadays. Not, not, not genuine love, not, not the kind of love that Jesus was talking about that's going to define his church, that's going to define the saints of God. Like John said, by this we know, the children of God and the children of the devil. If we don't love our brothers, we're not a Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the writers. We thank you for how they allow the Holy Spirit to lead them and to guide them like a ship on the sea, directing them through the wind of the Spirit what to write and what to pen and what to put on the parchment that we may have it today to be able to read your word, to be encouraged by your word, to gain strength, knowledge, and understanding by your word. The Holy Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you give us the strength and the power to obey your word, to apply your word to every facet of our life. And Holy Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit uh, wake up our conscience when we do not love one another. We ask that you make us aware of when we have missed the mark or missed the occasion or missed an opportunity to show love to one another, and not just to our neighbors on our streets, on our jobs, but Holy Father, to the ones that need it most, the ones we don't know. Let your Spirit lead and guide us into all truth, that we may be called the sons of God. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night.